Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Masala PTI, your sports show with your uh, friendly desis, Arvind Srinivasan and Ravi Krishnan. I guess we are uh, off and running with NFL and fantasy. Both myself and Ravi, I think, had kind of a mixed bag of a week. I, uh, in our primary league, I scored nothing but one. Ravi, on the other hand, was much better than me, but he lost. And in our other league, Ravi, I think you bet me. I think we both did okay, but you bet me. Uh, how do you feel about this week? Hi, everyone. Uh, glad to be on this uh, podcast again. Uh, Arvind, in the league where I beat you this past weekend, it was one of those uh, uh, horrible wins where you end up with a W but doesn't make you feel that good. I think I barely pipped you. And in the other league, as you said, in the primary league that we've been together for now 20 plus years, yeah, I mean, it was like uh, going against a buzzsaw. You know, the team I played against uh, scored 140 or something. And uh, yeah. so overall, yeah, not a, not, a, not a very healthy start to fantasy football 2016. But that's what we'll live for. Exactly. That's that's when, it, this is when it becomes interesting, right? Because now we got to learn, fix all the problems in our rosters, trade, waiver wires, whatever. We are never going to get every one of those draft picks right that's the goal but you know that's not going to happen realistically so i think overall this is when it starts becoming fun and uh, we will talk more about that in this show obviously but let's start with some of the uh, games themselves i i thought it was a great week and uh, you know nfl more than any other league kind of goes into its mid-season form from week one, I feel like, because it's a short season. No no team can afford to slack off for a few weeks and lose a couple of games. Every game matters. Uh, the offenses tend to be a little shaky. Honestly, this year, year, I didn't even see that in week one. But in general, the intensity and competition is very high, and I really loved some of the matchups uh, this week. Which, which one was your favorite? I, I, I really loved the... Raiders Saints matchup. I'm with you. In fact, that happened to be one of the handful of games that I watched a whole lot of. Uh, uh, and I liked the Raiders spunk in that game. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, the thing that obviously is going to go completely unrecognized, uh, but uh, I kind of uh, felt uh, shouldn't be, was that the Raiders actually early on in the game were getting a lot of pressure on Breeze. You know, Bruce Irwin and Khalil Mack were kind of uh, uh, getting getting get, getting the pressure uh, up front. However, obviously, the the tagline to that game will forever be regarding the offensive uh, fireworks that were on display starting the second quarter. But uh, I liked how the Raiders looked both not just because they won the game and scored a lot, but I think they are a much better defense than what either that game showed or what uh, they are usually regarded to be. Yeah, I think Khalil Mack was, uh, was not there uh, as... 
yeah, as much as one would have hoped for. But I think they were also going against uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, right? He's going to carve most defenses up, Drew Brees. And yeah. he was pretty unstoppable for uh, pretty much the entire game. Uh, and that two-point call, I, I just could not believe that. I still, it's been three days. I still can't believe Jack Del Rio pulled that off. Uh, never seen that before, at least in the NFL. And I and I loved the fact that the, the Raiders were able to convert that, and not just because the Raiders won, but because I can only imagine, you know, the thousands of experts across uh, the country waiting for that to have failed, and then launching on <laughs> Jack Del Rio and his quote-unquote uh, idiocy for going for it. Versus, and that's where you know I typically have issues with the double standards amongst the talking heads. If Belichick were to try that, they would call it a stroke of genius. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are certain identified people in the coaching ranks who are regarded as duds, uh, justifiably or otherwise. And I think Jack Del Rio has, for whatever reason, developed that reputation. So I was really happy for him that, you know, it was a very ballsy call it and was. I'm glad it worked out. It was. I mean, I have seen that in the NFL only towards the end of the season when, you know, team has, teams have nothing to play for. Like, Cleveland would be like 1-13 and 13 and they would do this in, you know, last but one game. Yeah. And even the commentators will be like, why not? Well, you, know, you have nothing to lose for. Go for two or something like that. But for the Raiders to do this in their first game in a season where there is so much hope, and, you know, talk of making it to the playoffs, uh, I thought it was really gutsy for him to do this. And uh, he probably thought, you know, giving the ball back to Brees in, in, in overtime was probably not going to be safe. Though Brees did have a shot even in the remaining, uh, you know, seconds, and they almost had to miss a field goal for this to actually work out the way it did. But overall, I think the call was uh, the story of the game. It was, and it was a very exciting game overall. And, and it, you're right, again, a very underrated aspect of that game also was that that two-point conversion wasn't the final play of the game. Yeah. The Saints were actually marching back. Uh, so, you know, it was just a pulsating thriller in every sense of the word. Yes, yes. And we had a few more. Unfortunately, our Cardinals lost a close one and a missed field goal as well. I'm, I'm sure you have thoughts on that. To me, you know, it is just frustrating as a card fan um, to watch, you know, Hoodie walk in there without his pretty boy QB, without his superstar tight end, and, you know, a couple other key players, not to mention Dion Lewis has been gone for a few weeks now. And then, he, you know, he steals a game and goes away home with a victory. It's just amazing how that guy and that program works overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, that 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 was gut-wrenching. And, you know, I at least feel that uh, Bruce Arians in particular and the Cardinals as a team vastly, uh, you know, basically underestimated the Patriots. And I think they kind of almost believed the hype, not just about them as a contender uh, overall, but especially as a firm favorite for this week. And something I noticed early on, Arvind, if you remember the game, mm -hmm. there was this period in the first quarter where it seemed like Julian Edelman was playing by himself. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was listening to someone speak about this and that that's when it dawned on me that the Cardinals' defense for the entire first quarter or so played uh, 
man on the Patriots basically allowing free reign for Garoppolo to dink and dunk to Edelman underneath. And Edelman has this tremendous knack of converting like a three-yard pass into a 12-yard gain. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, and I, I, it, was, it was so bloody obvious that the Cardinals were uh, overrating themselves because later on in the game, they were quick to adjust, quick to fix. And there was a point after which the Patriots were having difficulty in moving the ball. But by that time, obviously, uh, the Cardinals had a lot to catch up. I know that the game ended on a missed field goal, but to me, there were so many glaring mistakes and mental errors uh, that uh, that's what that's what kind of made it hard for me to digest yeah i i think the defense was not as good as uh, most people thought it should be against uh, brady and gronkless uh, patriots uh, offense i think the only silver lining was like, i guess david johnson was as good as advertised and yes. uh, parson didn't uh, uh, you know, completely self-destruct and collapse here. Yeah, that is always a fear of any anytime he is under the center, right? Especially after uh, the last series game he played with the Carolina playoff game. So he, he looked all right. I, I don't think he was great. He still forced a couple of throws which could have gone either way. But uh, overall, I think he got out of it with uh, some good stats and some some... Hopefully, some things that he can take away from for the future games. Yeah. In fact, speaking of Palmer, and I think you and I spoke about this early on in one of the uh, podcasts. Neither of us, I know, is a huge Carson Palmer fan. I must say, though, that this guy has the divine talent of having, pretty much in every game, having at least two passes greatly <laughs> bursting through the hands of the opposing he, team. He will hit them between the numbers. He will hit the <laughs> cornerback between the numbers at least twice a game. I, I agree. Yeah. And you know, the uh, other guy who does it consistently is Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, so, he had a couple of those in this past game as well. You know, thankfully, those didn't stick... Uh, but but obviously not a good result at the end. Yeah. So let's talk about um, uh, fantasy. Obviously, the only thing better than real NFL is fantasy football. And um, starting with that game, there were there was an interesting guy in that game, which uh, would be uh, somebody I think folks should be looking at. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, waiver wire ad drops. But Chris Hogan. The New England receiver, he seems like a good guy. I mean, to have on your roster, though, though you know, once Brady is back, he's going to spread the ball all over the place. Um, what do, What do you think of Chris Hogan? Actually, in our league, I think he's already drafted, but there, I'm sure he's available in some of the other leagues. Yeah, and it, it seems like he played a ton of snaps, so it wasn't as if he was being used, uh, you know, off and on. I think he played almost as many snaps as. Uh, Edelman, um, I have no idea how things uh, pan out once Gronk is back. I'm assuming that uh, Hoodie will use a lot more of the two tight end sets with uh, Gronk and Martellus Bennett. So I think Hogan might be the affected party as a result. But still, in that type of a potent offense and with Brady returning in three weeks, uh, 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 a good 
pair of hands always has value as we have seen with the likes of uh, Brandon Lafell in the past so i guess chris hogan at worst should be a wide receiver for uh, but certain weeks maybe he has flex appeal yeah definitely um i had an eye on him but he was gone in some of our uh, draft but that's something uh, our listeners should uh, look at now let's do some uh, studs and duds from week 1 what do you think let's do it okay so the first one let me go with the studs uh of course both of us have enough duds on our roster i think so let's <laughs> vicariously live through some of the other stars we do not have first so obviously the first one is antonio brown the reason i even uh have him here and stating the obvious is there's quite a few people who were uh, not sure if he's uh, the overall number one right and i think this guy is amazing he's going to end up in fantasy football all of fame at some point if there is one uh he's just so consistent his numbers are so outrageously good he's not like consistently like a 10 point a week guy he's like a consistently 25 point a week guy and he just keeps on going the only threat for him is a has nothing to do with him it's probably an injury to ben rothlisberger actually um so he was phenomenal and the other receiver who luckily i have on my roster in at least one league is uh, houston's uh, number 2 will fuller i have to pat myself back on my back a little bit for picking him as my lottery ticket last week i believe and he had a phenomenal uh, week as well and the the encouraging part was you know for a rookie this was just week 1 he was already involved a lot and he seemed to be actually more involved than uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that offense which which obviously will change over time but still for uh, fuller owners it's a very very encouraging uh, sign and the other one on the running back side i would say uh, carlos hyde was uh, a really good uh, I don't want to call breakout but it was a really encouraging performance uh because there's so many question marks around that offense and Mr. Blaine Gabbert and everything going on there this guy pretty much showed that when healthy is one of the top running backs in the league and I think uh sky is the limit for him if he stays healthy and if uh, Mr. Blaine Gabbert even plays halfway decent and doesn't uh you know just he didn't turn the ball over in the first game but if he plays like that every game i think hyde is going to get a lot of touches and he's going to put up some good numbers those are some names to kick off this conversation with ravi feel free to add uh anything that caught your eye as well as uh your dud yeah first of all a quick uh, um kudos to you on uh, the will fuller pick as a lottery ticket i mean he seems legit in fact the you and i were discussing right before the, this podcast that if you go past the box score it's amazing that he had a pretty uh, uh, healthy uh, stat line for week 1 and that was notwithstanding the fact that he actually dropped a potential 83 yard touchdown so yeah. asweiler was looking for him quite a lot and so i think he's one for uh, uh, one one for permanent value right uh, 
so in regards to duds, I mean, obviously there was ample uh, litter in the trash for me to pick from. So what I thought I would do is to basically pick three players, one from each main uh, offensive skill position. So starting with the running back position, I thought uh, Adrian Peterson was the biggest dud from week one. Uh, in some of the leagues uh, uh, that we know as well as it seems like out there, uh, AP was considered as a potential top five, top three, in some cases even the first overall pick this year. And he has overcome odds pretty much every one of the last two or three seasons. You know, once it was because of injury, then that suspension, then overarchingly there's been talk about him getting old, but he's been able to come back at his uh, magnificent best pretty much after every one of those setbacks. This year, and I know it's just been one week, but things look slightly different. I mean, I thought he looked slow. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as if, uh, uh, you know, the defense was stacking the box any more than they usually do. It's not like Minnesota had an all-pro quarterback last year or the year before. Yeah. It's just that AP looks uh, significantly more mediocre than he's ever looked. So, to me, uh, he was a definite dud. The other problem with AP, I feel, is uh, he's never been a great uh, receiver out of the backfield. And I think the Vikings tried to inject that a little bit a couple seasons ago and that didn't work. So, they've kind of... Uh, you know, they've, they've, they're done with that experiment. So, to me, AP's value uh, at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a mid to late second round if things if someone were to draft today. But that's, again, just my opinion. I, I have to say, he did have a horrible uh, start to last season too, I think, if I remember right. True. So, uh, that was against San Fran, right? Yes, yes. Which San Francisco won that game as well. That was one of the few games they won. And then they went into the toilet. But, yeah, he had a rough start to last season, too. So, yeah. let, let's see how it goes. It's a good good call that uh, he is definitely struggling, at least at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, in, in fact, nothing would make uh, me happier than to see him doing well because I actually own him in one other league. But, you know, and I was thinking back on the same thing about last year. The, the thing that worried me about this this game, though, was that the game script actually was to his convenience. Uh, I remember the last uh, season's game one was, you know, coming back from, again, a losing position. They ended up losing to San Francisco. So, you know, there was always this excuse of the game flow didn't, uh, you know, prove convenient for AP kind of a game. Right. This one... Frankly, everything was set uh, on the platter for him to have one of those grinding 80, 90, 100-yard games and didn't. But anyways, AP is my first dud. On the wide receiver front, how can I look beyond Des Bryant? I mean, that's that's <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it was one of those. And again, I think it is something that you and I spoke before as well, wherein I think the QB situation is a big concern there. Uh, Dak Prescott, like any other rookie, even though a pretty polished one, seems to be happy with his dink and dunk. I think people like Cole Beasley I were know. getting targeted a lot more. <laughs> Cole uh, Beasley was I, catching and, and like sorry, 100 balls. Cole Beasley was catching like 100 balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the thing that obviously is still a, I guess, a, 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 a ray of hope to kind of uh, hinge on is that there's almost caught a touchdown and that's the thing right in fantasy if he had had that td 
uh, uh, okayed, uh, he would have shown up on the stat line as having had a pretty decent uh, fantasy day. The truth of the matter, though, is that uh, you know it didn't seem like Dak was looking his way at all. So yeah. Des is another one of my dud candidates based purely on week one. And on the quarterback side, uh, I think this was actually a pretty good week for QBs in general. You know, and not just the the, the top-rated ones, but even the Daltons and the yeah. uh, uh, and, the, and the Ryan's had good games. And the guy that truly sucked big time, and I'm like personally affected because I own him was Tyrod Taylor. I mean, on a day when Alex Smith threw for 366, I had Tyrod Taylor throwing for less than 100, not being able to run. So that was in itself a problem. But the bigger problem to me, which is why I see him as a permanent dud, is that it didn't seem like uh, the Bills had an offensive game plan which would allow Tyrod to exhibit his best qualities, which is to be elusive, having designed runs. Uh, You know, last year, I didn't realize this until I was researching for this piece. I didn't realize that he had had 500 and odd yards rushing last year. He's not getting that even close to that this year. Obviously, the injury to Sammy Watkins and the uncertainty around the offensive line hurts him as well. To me, he's a prime dirt candidate. Great. That's a, that's a good list. Do you have anything more? Or I have a fun twist to this. No, uh, I'm done okay. on that. So, I'm going to throw a few more names in there, but let's do this. Uh, let's do on a scale of low, medium, high. How much? Are you concerned about these folks moving forward, right? Obviously, yep. they, they were all duds. And I have a few uh, more names, and I will also give my opinion on those um, and see where we align or disagree. So let's start with the AP. What's my level of concern on AP all said and done, I would say is, I'm going to say low, actually. Because I still think, uh, you know, he's AP. He has uh, always come through. Uh, whenever he's uh, being doubted, he has come back stronger. Plus, I think that offense is obviously going through a huge transition. And once Bradford is under center, it's going to again look different. And maybe there will be a couple more weeks of shaky performances. But eventually, I think he's going to be productive. So, I'm going to say low. How about you? So, I would stay low on uh, AP as well. Despite everything that I said about him as a performer or what I anticipate his uh, downward uh, uh, performance uh, as, as far as I am going to project for this year. And the reason for that is name value. Because as you and I well know, part of our outlook as a fantasy owner is how our rostered players are going to perform. But equally importantly, what kind of uh, value will they entertain in a potential trade? And to me, the AP name brand still holds a high trade value. So to me, at the moment, I am still low concern-wise on AP because let's say if I dangle him and get a CJ Anderson, I will take that up because I know for sure that there would be a handful of owners who would jump on AP for his brand name. Well, that's a good point. However, I'm going to make this harder on you. You should leave the trade value out of this. Okay. <laughs> Just talk what you expect from this person as as far as performance goes rest of the way, right? Okay. I would okay. still say it's low for me, the concern. Uh, okay. Does that change anything for you? 
Yeah, 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 definitely. In which case, I'll stay true to what I said earlier. To me, AP concerns me. Uh, yeah, so I would be at least a medium on that level. Okay, makes sense because you did mention you're downgrading him almost to round two or three. So that yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so what about Mr. Tyrod Taylor? To me, that is high. I think you broke it down really well. I'm going to stick with that and say high. I yeah, he's droppable. That's a little extreme, but yeah, that is high, I guess. Maybe you should add a fourth, fourth uh, category, droppable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and again, you're right. I mean, everything is relative, right, to the size of the league and rosters, etc. But to me, yeah, in the scale that you have provided, Tyrod would be the absolute high of the high. <laughs> yeah, and Des Bryant to me is medium as well, because like you said, we talked about this. And I've not been—I've been a little concerned about him even before week one. And with Dak Prescott, I think once uh, he settles down, I think this will be okay. Kind of, you will get his touchdown here and there and things like that. But I am going to say medium. I—I am not very confident about that situation. Yeah, I would stay medium. I would be medium on Des as well because. And you see, he's never, I, again, just my opinion, but I've never thought of him being in the same, uh, you know, level or tier as, say, an Antonio Brown in terms of route running and elusiveness. Obviously, he's a monster in the red zone. Uh, you know, he, he will catch his share of touchdowns. But I, frankly, you know, looking at how he has done in the past seasons without Romo, uh, and notwithstanding how people are talking very highly of Dak, and Dak is a rookie, so he's going to improve. Still, I mean, nothing about this makes me uh, enthusiastic about Des to the extent of putting him anywhere other than a medium on that scale. Fair enough. Now, I'm going to add a few more duds to your list and uh, go through their names as well as listeners may be curious what we think about these duds. Uh, Devonta Freeman comes to mind. Unfortunately, half of these guys are on my roster, roster. so so is, uh, a lot of thinking has gone into these guys already. So Freeman obviously uh, didn't have a great game. Plus, the concerning part was uh, Tevin Coleman's touches, right? I think they were almost 50-50. Uh, I'm I am going to go medium. Obviously, losing touches is never a good thing. So that in and of itself makes it medium. But in terms of his performance and talent and whatnot, yeah, he's going to get his touches. And I heard that he still got a lot of snaps in the red zone and things like that. But I think he's definitely at least a medium for me. How about you? You know, contrary to popular belief in the last couple of days, I'm actually low. Uh, low as in I'm low on the concern scale as far as uh, Freeman goes. Uh, yes, so Freeman to me is doing exactly the same things that he did last year. Uh, it, it was just one game this past weekend. And for everyone that's talking about how the reason Freeman was preferred to Coleman was because uh, Freeman had better uh, receiving ability. All Coleman did was catch two balls for huge yardage. Uh, you know, so otherwise, a stat line of five catches for 96 yards or 95 yards is not enough sample size for me to think that Coleman is a better pass catcher off of the backfield. Mm -hmm. So that 
you know that in itself uh, i feel very strongly about freeman is the preferred option in that in that sense and what you said earlier is absolutely right which is i think in the red zone freeman got more than a share of uh, uh, chances uh, it's just one of those where he didn't convert enough uh and that's led to again the stat line so to me the analysis paralysis of going too deep into a box score of a game which happened to be an again an offensive slugfest i think ends up making freeman look a lot worse than he actually is i mean to me he still remains exactly where he was drafted which i'm assuming was somewhere in the second round so to me the concern level is low that's fair yeah i i think uh, i was a little high on my expectation for him so with respect to that i think uh, i uh, you know my disappointment is a little higher but what you're saying makes sense he may be fine for where he was drafted except i drafted him a little higher than that so yeah. so that's on me maybe but we'll see how it goes but i i wouldn't go higher than medium on him anyways uh, for all the reasons we talked about the last guy i want to bring up is kobe fleener the titan who moved from indy to uh, new orleans he had a bad game too despite a amazing offensive performance by drew brees which is pretty much every week for that guy but still uh, there was this all this hype around how uh, you know they have never had a real replacement for Jimmy Graham and this is the guy who is going to get in there and so on and so forth but despite that i'm going to say my concern is still low because it's week 1 supposedly he is uh, not really you know synced up with breeze that well he's not on the same page which can be bad as well if it stays that way the quarterback is not going to have confidence to even look at him but i think they will figure this out and uh, he will get involved sooner than later yeah the lowest of the low concern wise on uh, fleener as well uh, you know in you know sometimes these preseason uh, stories tend to get their own life like uh, this whole talk around breeze and fleener not being on the same page i mean it was game when I mean, one game into the season one cannot validate that you know that whole storyline and the uh, thing that you know frankly if i was fleen a fleener owner i wouldn't be worried about is that breeze made benjamin watson a viable fantasy titan <laughs> last year uh, and you know talent wise obviously there is no comparison uh, you know watson had 900 yards and a handful of touchdowns if fleener were to all if he if he did was to replicate those numbers i think people would be happy for what for where they got him Cool. I think that's a good list. Um, hopefully, we have answered some of the questions our listeners would have liked to ask. Um, and then that you know, we should probably also talk about some of the waiver wire pickups. Some of the good options for this week, as people are looking at uh, options, e- e- either for these duds if they are really disappointed with these guys, or maybe for uh, some other uh, injured players like Keenan Allen. it's just another sad thing you know that guy can't catch a break yeah um and one thing to do we should note obviously is one of the reasons we did this high low medium ranking is you know it's always easy to overreact after one week and it's important that we look beyond the box score and see what you know where these guys are and how much we should freak out and start looking for uh, options so i would say people should be very careful and not start like 
dropping people like AP. I don't think anybody will drop, but they may be tempted to trade him for uh, you know cents on the dollar or whatever. Uh, I would recommend some patience and some uh, smart negotiation in those kind of situations. And uh, you know, if you st- of course there are other needs, and you may still want to do ad drops. And here's where we are going to throw a few names that you should definitely look at if they are available in your uh, league and in some of these cases you should also try to trade and get these guys before their uh, values shoots up even more i will start ravi so okay basically the you know we touched on will fuller already if he's available i guess he's a definite uh, add the other receivers that i think might actually be available and might be good pickups are uh, Eli Rogers, the Pittsburgh guy, um, he plays uh, against uh, Antonio Brown on the other side. There are quite a few names there, Sammy Coates and Marcus Wheaton being the other competition for him, but I think this guy is the standout among that group and he is uh, worth rostering. Um, and then the other guy is Jeremy Curley, the Niners uh, wide receiver. He was a pleasant surprise to me in that game. Because I think he was added only a few days back, maybe a couple of weeks at best, to the roster. And he got so many touches. He was also uh, involved in special teams, uh, especially if your league is giving points for uh, return yardage. uh, You know, he would be ideal because he almost every uh, punt return was him, if I remember right. And then uh, on offense, he got a lot of touches too. So that was uh, that was something I was not expecting. What about you? Any uh, thoughts on those or any other guys you would add? Yeah, Jeremy Curley is an interesting case because uh, he seemed like uh, he worked in and seems like a ready-made fit for the Chip Kelly offense. Yes. Um, uh, so so yeah. So definitely an interesting uh, pick and someone who's I think even now an afterthought in most uh, uh, waiver uh, analysis uh, talk that's going on. So he might he might end up. Uh, in fact, I definitely agree with you that in my mind, among the San Fran pass catchers, he he's probably the most attractive one. Yes, definitely. I would agree on that. So from my end, uh, in terms of uh, potential waiver wire pickups, and obviously we're not talking about uh, players who candidly are already on rosters, most likely, like, for example, a Theo Riddick. Uh, so we wouldn't talk too much about him. His performance in week one may, be, may have been an outlier, but he is going to get definite work. So uh, I, I don't think we need to convince anyone regarding his value. But some of the guys that I think are going to be interesting, starting with uh, Tajay Sharp, the wide receiver in Tennessee, uh, rookie, fifth-round pick, n- not speedy enough to be reckoned with in the same breath as, say, a Sterling Shepard. However, it is very obvious after one game that he is the Tennessee Titans' number one wide receiver. I think Richard Matthews and the 48-year-old Andre Johnson aren't <laughs> going to compete for touches with uh, Tajay Sharp. And yeah, he, he showed, got like uh, tons of like 11 targets or catches or something. It is... Uh... Amazing how many balls he got thrown in his direction. Exactly. And, you know, in, in pretty competitive leagues, I'm assuming that he's already been picked up. But if he isn't, he's worth a worth a roster spot. Uh, at worst, as your bi-week fill-in, as a potential breakout candidate. And at 
the best maybe uh, a wide receiver three i mean you know i know it's a very restricted pass offense but still a wide receiver one for any nfl team is at least worth some consideration yep uh, that's a good one second second uh, guy that i again it's it's a question of philosophy so if there are leagues which don't believe or owners that don't believe too much in the philosophy of handcuffing the running backs and for some reason if jerick mckinnon is available grab him uh, i think this goes along with the storyline that i've been harping on on this episode which is uh, my uh, pessimism around adrian peterson i think mckinnon uh, should be someone that you can grab uh, either as a hold for yourself or at least as a potential dangling uh, object of attraction for the ap owner down down the line and i think in addition to that just again at an individual level i somehow felt last year or the year before whenever mckinnon got extended playing time that the minnesota offense almost functions as well if not better with mckinnon uh, in the backfield so to me jerick mckinnon is a uh, is a is definitely a waiver wire add uh, and my last uh, guy on uh, on this list is uh, tyrell williams in san diego Yeah. Someone has to catch balls there, aside from Danny Woodhead, mm-hmm. um, and you know because Antonio Gates, uh, uh, you know, I think he's going to get his. But uh, Philip Rivers uh, will throw a lot. Uh, I think as a team, San Diego believes in a very pass-heavy offense. Uh, they have been talking up Tyrell Williams for the last couple of years. Um, he has the the size and skill set which. seems uh, very synergistic with what uh, uh, the erstwhile malcolm floyd uh, used to have so i have this uh, lurking suspicion that we will see and talk a lot about uh, tyrell williams down the road so mm-hmm. he would be my third uh, main waiver wire pickup that's uh, that's uh, i agree with with that call there are some people who are downgrading uh, philip rivers because of kenan allen injury i i strongly disagree i think he's going to find a way to make it work all these great quarterbacks are great for a reason right they usually elevate the receivers rather than going down to their level and i think he's going to make it work with all these guys including tyrell williams and i wouldn't have a whole lot of concern uh for philip rivers now from a fantasy perspective right from in the real nfl concern maybe he throws a couple more interception and san diego loses but hey who cares we don't we don't care about that here i think he's going to put up his numbers um and he's going to get all these wide receivers involved including williams agreed yeah all right i think you know overall ravi i think both of us agree this has been a little bit of a weak uh waiver wire for week one that's two weeks right there but anyways uh usually after week one there are a lot of breakout and surprises and guys you want to desperately go and pick up this was different it's almost like the established stars uh did all the work and or they were, bu- were busts and there was no major breakouts except the few names we mentioned and most of them being wide receivers Would you, would you agree i agree and in fact your last comment there is exactly the telling point which is after week 1 if the major breakout potential candidates happen to be wide receivers then you know that it's a pretty lean week and if no running back or no uh, you know sudden quarterback like i remember a 
few years ago, uh, it, I think it was RG3's uh, rookie season, where after his yes. game one performance, uh, everyone was scrambling to grab him off of the waiver uh, heap. So, right. no, nothing of that sort showed up from a QB perspective. Obviously, no running backs have uh, come to four either. I think there is obvious interest in a few of the wide receivers that we've discussed. But again, that's purely because we need something to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sticking with the same team, Ravi, there was another year where Al- Albert uh, Alfred Morris broke broke out after yes. week one. That was like you suddenly got a n- solid number one RB after week one because, you know, Shanahan was juggling with multiple guys and suddenly it was Alfred Morris. Um, and the year uh, RG3 broke out, I was glad I already had him on my roster. So <laughs> in one of the leagues at least. Yeah, this one has been weak. Hopefully, uh, next week would be much more uh, interesting. Uh, that way, we, you know, I have high uh, waiver wire picks in a couple of leagues. I would like to use them for a change. So, that would be fun. Anyways, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. And this is where we do our Pucka Files um, top topics in our mind. I think uh, we were planning to do kind of do the most biggest shocks and surprises from week one and then add a couple of other items if if uh, we add some uh, Ravi you want to go first what what uh, shocked you or surprised you and uh, any other thoughts for your Paka five yeah sure Arvind I don't mind going first so without any further ado my first shock slash surprise was uh, the performance of Carson Wentz uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I know it was against the Browns, so this was basically two crappy teams playing against each other, so someone had to shine. But I thought the kid showed a lot of poise. Uh, obviously, he comes from a college pedigree where he may not have been exposed to top-level you know, uh, college matchups. So that was one of the concerns about him as to whether he would even, you know, whether he would get like deer in the headlights feel. But it that's what really made me uh, uh, feel positive about him. He showed a lot of poise. Some of his deep throws looked, you know, very uh, accurate. Uh, especially his touchdown to Jordan Matthews, I think, was a thing of beauty. Yeah, and it, it, it also was apparent that he has a lot to improve. And despite that, he showed up with a pretty uh, consistent level of performance from Q, uh, from the first quarter on to the fourth. And obviously, the team winning helped as well. And his start line didn't look too shabby. So, Carson Wentz, definitely a winner for the week. Someone who really uh, surprised me with his performance in uh, in the first week. Uh, my second shock slash surprise, and I think we have talked about this, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it was basically the Raiders going for two. Uh, you know, part of what we discussed earlier was how ballsy the call was. But yeah. I thought, I mean, you know, even, uh, you know, aside from the, the motive to make that call, I thought the play that was run uh, was just fascinating. I mean, you know, it was basically some kind of a fade to Crabtree. Uh, I would have assumed that, you know, the default play would be just a lob to Cooper and for Cooper to utilize his height advantage to grab it. Instead, they went in for a play which uh, on paper would sound riskier or at least less reliable than, uh, you know, than, than uh, a few other plays. But the fact that it was executed perfectly speaks uh, highly of Derek Carr and Crabtree as well, obviously. So, overall, I mean, that was... That was uh, 
fantastic to watch and a huge uh, shock slash surprise. Uh, my third uh, shock, if I may call it that, is uh, Eddie Lacy, and I, it has nothing to do with whatever his stat line was. Uh, a lot of the talk around the preseason was uh, that Lacy had lost a lot of weight and that he had engaged with the P90 founder to kind of go through this regimen wherein he looks a lot leaner. Wow. He looks like a bloated Jerome Bettis. I have no <laughs> idea what people are talking about when they say that uh, uh, you know he is trimmer. To me, Lacy is Lacy. I mean, frankly, I'm not disparaging him by saying this. What I mean by that is that I think he is exactly what he has been and he's an extremely productive one of definitely the top 8 or 10 backs in the league. But I, again... I, for a moment, didn't think when I saw him playing that he has become any faster, any quicker, has any more burst than he had last year. He will get his, except I don't think it will be any different from how it has been in the last few years. That's great. So, it's not just me. I had the same reaction. I looked at him and I go, huh, he's lost <laughs> weight and he still looks like that. He should have been really fat last year. Maybe I forgot. Because to me, he didn't look that that much uh, different. And I thought it was just my eyes playing some games. He still continues to be, I guess, you know, all those uh, tacky lines for him. Foody Lacey and Eddie Lacey with a Z and all of that. He'll come <laughs> back after week eight. Exactly. So I think, you know, and uh, last week was, I don't know how he escaped those because I think he had a pretty pedestrian, uh, uh, you know, stat line. Yeah. But I think a game or two more wherein he shows up with a 10 for 31 or something like that. And those uh, nicknames will, uh, will will creep up from the woodwork yet again. <laughs> uh, so my, 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 my last couple of... Uh, Paka five points. The fourth one actually is a more positive spin, and that is around age-defying stars. Uh, you know, again, NFL that way is uh, very uh, dictatorial in how it treats and how it talks about uh, older players. You know, we are very quick to craft or draft the eulogy for any running back who kind of uh, reaches his 30th birthday or a wide receiver who turns 35 or whatever it is. And I was tremendously happy to find that the uh, AFC Offensive Player of the Week this past weekend was D'Angelo Williams, who is the, obviously the oldest uh, starting running back in the league. And he looked amazing. I mean, in the, you know, the, 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 the cuts he was making, the burst he had, yeah. I mean, it was definitely uh, uh, an FU to all those who say that running backs beyond age 30 are no good. And likewise for Larry Fitzgerald, our you know hometown favorite uh, wide receiver. Uh, I, again, his, his his stats weren't mind-boggling other than the TDs. It was, I think, eight, eight catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns. But it's just that he's still doing all the basics as perfectly as he ever was. And there was a stat that was uh, talked about during the telecast that since 2013, he's caught upwards of 250 catches and he has had only two drops. So at mm -hmm. some point, you talk about athleticism, raw skills, 40-yard uh, uh, speed and all of it. When you are a wide receiver, the most essential criteria should be how safe your hands are and you don't get any safer than uh, fits, I feel. So so yeah, again, a shout-out to those old old aging stars. Yeah, some of his, those catches were ridiculous, actually. Yeah, classic, including classic uh, the touchdown. I mean, that was... That was amazing to yeah. watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and my last uh, 
Paka five point is CJ Spiller. I mean, I feel horrible about this. It almost feels like someone has died. Wherein you know, this was a guy that I believe a few seasons ago was a number one pick in our league. I mean, he has all the talent in the world, and now to find that uh, you know the Bills let go of him in favor of Fred Jackson a few years ago or a couple of years ago, and now the Saints prefer Travis Cadet. Over Spiller, uh, I mean, I you know that really made me sad. I mean, I'm hoping that he uh, you know uh, gets gets on the roster of say the Colts, where again they have 58 year old Frank Gore running the show. Uh, I think he would be of value in Miami in an Adam Gase run offense as well. So I hope CJ Spiller finds a home because I think he still has talent and he used to be a a world burner not too long ago. Yep, agreed. Yeah, that's a good list. Um, on to mine, I guess. I'm going to steal a couple of things off of yours. The first one is uh, you spoke a lot about Carson Wentz. I would like to expand that a little bit, and I was just really impressed with a whole bunch of quarterbacks who are either uh, rookies or first-year starters, right? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trevor Simeon. Those two are not rookies, but they've never really played uh, meaningful minutes in the past. And Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, they all look good. Uh, look great in some cases, like Carson Wentz, uh, like you explained. And, and the thought that pops into my mind is, I think, full credit to them. And of course, we know that the whole uh, pipeline they come through from college and the off-season training and all of that prepares them really well. But I can't help but think that Pass offense and playing quarterback in the NFL has just gotten a lot easier, uh, thanks to all the rule changes. And most of them for, you know, safety purposes and uh, to avoid injuries. But whatever the reasons are, the rules are definitely in their favor. And Ravi, you know, tying this back to a topic you touched on last uh, week about the zero RB strategy, right? Which which I, I, I almost went for it, and I know you were a big critic of it. Uh, of course, at the end of the day, we both stuck to our old-school uh, tactics, and I think I picked uh, running backs with both my first picks, and you picked with your first three picks. Yeah. But my point is, I think the passing game is so much easier, and that's one of the reasons the receivers are going up and up in the fantasy draft. And I think in five years you may see 10 out of the 12 being either receivers or quarterbacks in the first round of a fantasy draft. The game is just moving in that direction. Maybe we should have a side bet for that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that's a fascinating comment. Again, you know, it's very radical, but it's plausible. I mean, it, it is plausible. I mean, so so no, that that's, that's, that's definitely something that we should uh, explore. Yes. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of running backs did score a ton of points in week one, fantasy-wise. But I think the receivers are here for real, and so are these quarterbacks. And I, I was really impressed at how these young quarterbacks are, you know, looking more and more polished and dominating more and more. And one of the reasons, I think, is the game itself is changing in, the, in their favor and in, in favor of the passing offense. That's my first uh, surprise as well as uh, Pucker 5 point. The second one is another surprise. Our buddy Steve Smith in, in Baltimore actually is still starting and getting a lot of looks. <laughs> that is surprising and it ties into your uh, age conversation. He's pretty old and coming off of serious injuries. And 
you know, Baltimore offense has traditionally been bad, but this year they have a few weapons, including Kamar Aiken, who kind of uh, grew into his role last year, and then they got Bashar Perryman, who is coming back from uh, injury, and they signed Mike Wallace, who had a great game one fantasy-wise. Despite all that, I was really surprised Steve Smith starting and actually seeing a lot of targets. Uh, that was interesting, and we'll see how that goes as the year goes along. The third point was uh, I was actually at the game. Unfortunately, the Rams at the uh, at Levi playing the Niners, and I could not believe how bad the Rams are. They're just horrible on both sides of the ball. To to lose to a Blaine Gabbert-led Niners team, twenty-eight nothing, is just I can't even imagine how that happened. Now, I'm not just bashing up on Gabbard. I think he was horrible too. I mean, he, he should have been probably picked off like three times in that game. And uh, Kelly's offense was pretty unimaginative. They were running the same play again and again, it looked like. Despite all that, they lost 28 nothing. And here's a name we missed, Ravi. Uh, high, low, medium, uh, Todd Gurley. I am pretty high. I think I am really concerned for that guy uh, uh, in terms of his fantasy value the rest of the way. What do you think? You know, I would be a medium just out of sheer respect for the fact that he was picked number one in a bunch of leagues. So, you know, I'm assuming that the people that did pick him number one, I wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, but I'm assuming that people uh, kind of went uh, with the assumption that he's going to uh, uh, outperform his team or rather do well despite his team's offensive uh, struggles. So I'm still at a media, a medium, but I'm at one of those mediums where I'm almost at the diving board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I Looking at the Dolphins and what they're doing there, I'm really concerned. I uh, hope they turn it around for the sake of the girly owners across the world, I guess. <laughs> So those are my three uh, shocks slash surprises from week one. And the other couple of points I want to make is uh, sticking with that game, the most exciting part of that game was the streaker running around. <laughs> and if you guys have not heard this already, you should uh, go to YouTube or somewhere and hear Kevin Arlen's play-by-play -play of that uh, streaking performance. And he finishes it off by saying that's the most exciting thing we had seen <laughs> during that game. Um, did he catch that? Yes, I did. And I also, uh, you know, heard the review or the talk around Kevin Harlan's comment and, you know, how people are tripping all over it. So, but I think that was classic. Yeah, that was really funny. And the last point I want to make is a pet peeve of mine. Um, basically, I'm surprised this day and age, uh, the NFL is selling its Sunday ticket, its satellite package, just through... DirecTV. Now, I think this year they have it available online as well. Yeah. But in terms of uh, cable and dish providers, they're the only league, I believe, which has an exclusive contract with just one provider. And that is such a nuisance for me because I cannot install DirecTV at my place. And I am really uh, surprised by that because I know they probably make a lot of money by having this exclusive deal. But I can't imagine that they probably lose more by not having it more widely available. Um, but that's that's a little strange. Maybe I, there's something about that business I'm missing. Um, those are my pack of five. Um, yeah, very interesting you say that, Arvind, because in fact, I only 
came to know last week that NFL Sunday Ticket is now available as an online subscription option. Did you so, buy it? No, so I'm not yet. But you know what was puzzling to me, and I completely agree with you that I have no idea in today's day and age how uh, you know exclusivity with one service provider would have been any more profitable than just opening it up. But even the fact that they have now opened the online medium of distribution. has it been widely advertised or publicized because candidly last week was the first time i even came to know about it me too actually it's funny it's we both heard about it around the same time i i don't want to give the wrong information here i feel like it's the first year they are doing this but i could be completely wrong but you're right i heard it last week too and i'm seriously considering buying it it is pretty yeah. pricey actually direct uh, it is DirecTV makes it sound like it's cheap, uh, but I, I, most people can install it. And you know what they are, uh, in some ways, are becoming a slave to then is for people to automatically shift to you know red zone, and uh, you know because there is a very viable proposition there, uh, you know, saying that you know why do you need to basically you know shell a boatload of money to watch all the games in it in their entirety. when you can watch the most exciting portions of that game live as it happens for 5 bucks a month right. uh, so to me that seems like a definite business miss on the part of uh, the NFL mm -hmm. as far as what they've done with the whole sunday ticket package plan yes i agree on that note i think we should wrap it up um, great talking fantasy again and hope to do more of this next week looking forward to it arvin thank you bye hey.